I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Everyone of the up. Hello and welcome along to the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast, Paper Talk Extra. I'm Peter McNamara and I'm joined today by Steve Neville and Mikey Sheen to discuss the weekend's action. It's a massive weekend in rugby, soccer and GA. We're going to begin today by talking about the Six Nations. Steve, you were discussing the France match here last week. Ireland got over the line by the skin of their teeth after 41 face play and... and Johnny Sexton's amazing intervention at the end, probably one of the greatest moments in rugby for a long time, probably since Ron O'Gara stepped up in the Millennium Stadium a few years ago now. It has that set them up to blow Italy out of the water now? I wouldn't say it's nailed on that would blow Italy out of the water. I mean, I'm expecting Ireland to get the bonus point to win the game relatively comfortably, especially considering Italy's performance against England, but the France game is, is nothing if not a wake-up call that Ireland need to be at their very best to be putting teams away. Uh, we were kind of saying last week that France might, or Ireland might beat France by 10 points because France were inexperienced. But France came in, they were, they were very good. Ireland were poor, granted, but Ireland, yeah. our France were very good. So I think it's going to be... I think that's reflecting the team. Ireland need to be at their best to go out and take on the city team. I mean, Joe Schmidt picked the team on Thursday... Um, Johnny Sexton still starting 10 there was a lot of talk that Carberry couldn't possibly come in and give Sexton a break but I, I actually agree with Smith in starting Sexton 10 because you put your big players out you win the game first and then you can bring in blood the young fellas and, mm. but it's more important to win the game and I think it's kind of important to get a bonus point as well considering the fact that France put 7 tries or England put 7 tries in the last weekend Were you surprised at how defensively disciplined France were last week even aside from the 41 phase play was required throughout the game you don't really associate France at the moment with being defensively being solid defensively but but they were they were excellent defensively they were unbelievable even in the the build up to the to the play to the drop goal I mean Ireland were battering into France and France weren't barely giving them an inch there was a couple of times where they were driving Ireland back and throughout the game they were excellent I mean to keep Ireland scoreless or without tries even is a but is that because, and, and I'll just interject there is that because Joe Schmidt's game plan is becoming all too readable for opposition coaches great question well I, would, I wouldn't say so because you'd expect you expect I mean there's a game plan in there but Ireland have enough leaders in the form of Conor Murray and Jai Sexton to be able to recognise on the pitch if that particular game plan is working and well, to be able to mix it up in the moment I mean yeah. they, you know you, the coaches can set the teams up with a game plan but I mean you expect your, your big players to be able to read how the game is going and, if need be, make tweaks to the game plan and change the game plan. But what, what I would have seen from, let's say, the few times Ireland got into the 21 against France and it was three or four times maybe during the game, they, they decided just to put the ball up the short and 
go at the line every time without being a small bit creative maybe going going a bit wider going trying to a, a fake play a, a false type of play absolutely you know? I mean I think that part of the conditions that they kind of thought would just take the ball one up rugby one man out mm. but um, and that was probably the fact that they thought France were a little bit inexperienced and that they might be able to break them down and if they kept knocking the door that the gaps would come to be fair in the in the, in the the build up to the to the draft goal they did at least you know, there was a couple of kicks, there was a couple of skip passes. There was it. There was a couple of up to the first man quick. Which were which were capable of doing. Absolutely capable. Yeah. And I expect that'll be the case against Italy. I, mean, yeah, I think it would be a much a much more expanded I think mm. the game plan is they're gonna play it wide a lot, just swing the ball left to right and and try and exploit the out wide. Because I mean that's what happened to Italy against or against England. I mean Anthony Watson had two tries in the first ten minutes and they both came from England going very wide and exploiting the wingers. Okay, so there's been four changes on the Irish side and three changes on the Italian side for this game at the on Saturday. Talk us through them briefly and more to the point, give us what do you think the impact of those changes will be on the contest? Uh, well, everyone kind of expected Ireland to make changes. I mean, one of them was a force change, Shash yeah. Fleur's injury for mm-hmm. the season, Dan Levy comes in for him. That maybe was excellent when he came on against France last week, so that's kind of uh, not surprising. Uh, Jack Conan is starting at Asian for CJ Sander, which I'm pleased with because I think he's having an excellent season. Conan, I mean, Schmidt alluded in his press conference announcing the team that he's played very well for the Ireland side in the, in the previous internationals and last summer he played and he was superb. So he's and he's having a great season and he's a really, really good ball carrier and he's mm. an excellent alternative to CJ Sander. Um, it, other, is this basically just to protect Sander for future assignments? I don't. I'd ha, yeah, I'd have, I'd have a different view of that. I, I think there's no harm breaking up that six, seven, eight. Everyone is thinking yeah, that uh, yeah. it's going to be Stander or Brian or Manny as as shoo-ins for the six, seven, eight positions on the Irish team. I don't see it. I think I think you need to actually break that up. I think it's it's great to see. Um, yeah. I mean, sort of so you think that. Joe Smith is doing this just just to keep him under toes? Oh, absolutely. And why not with a game like this yeah. when you have as quality um, backup as we do have in those positions? I think there's no harm doing it. But Schmidt has made himself part of the reason he picked as a reward for his good performances. I think it's like that's a good thing too. If it's the, a reward. The yeah. Irish back row has is the Irish back row are is probably the area where we have the most depth, even with the couple of injuries that we have at the moment. Okay. Sean O'Brien and now Van der Fleer and the rest of it. Mm. And the fact that he's bringing in these guys and giving them a go, it shows that if they perform for their provinces, if they perform, they give them a chance in the international guys, then Schmidt will pick them. So it can only be a good thing. The other changes then are um, Jack McGrath is in for. Uh, Keane Healy which is kind of expected in the sense I mean he, yeah. he's rotating them the, the, those two the whole time it's really interesting to see Keane Healy's probably for the first time since Jack McGrath became a, a standout prop Keane Healy is back to his very best as well so that kind of internal battle between comp- competition between two of them is very interesting and then Tony's the other change Jack Ryan is gone from the match day 23 which I was surprised at considering how exceptional he was against France yeah. but it, I mean Devon Toner is going to have to do a job Quantify the surprise at which you've come up with that because you said to me before we came in here today into the studio that you were particularly shocked that this guy was not in the Yeah, well, I thought he, I, I don't know whether he's just resting or what, but I thought he'd make the bench because he he was ex- unbelievable against France. I mean, this ball carrier, I mean, people talk about him being the next Paul O'Connell, which is probably as high praise as yeah. you can get for a second row in Ireland. 
So, I mean, I don't know whether he's resting him. Is Smith trying to take him out of the line, mate, a bit, just to protect him a, a bit? Yeah, look, I, I think Devin Toner deserves his starting position. I agree. I, I was a bit surprised that he wasn't on the bench. But I actually think he's a shoe-in for the rest of the Six Nations, Absolutely. the way he performed against France. So, a game like that, when Devin Toner deserves his place, he's been playing very well as well for Leinster. A very consistent performer over the years for mm-hmm. Ireland and Leinster. And I think that's just, look, given that game, you're not losing anything, particularly against the Italians. A game that you should win anyway, and you have enough uh, depth. I think there's no harm taking Roy out of it. But, go, Steve. I'm just going to say that Devin Toner is still going to play a very important role in the Six Nations, Absolutely. even if he's not starting, because he's such a, it's such a quality option to bring off the bench. I mean, yeah. even his, over the last couple of years since he first started playing for Ireland, his entire whole game gameplay has improved, and he was always exceptional at the lineup. up his, uh, his uh, rock time, uh, ball carrying, it's all getting better and better, and him coming off the bench with all the experience that he has it's going to be vital for, for Ireland going to further to the Six Nations. Are we at a stage now, Mikey, where no matter who comes into the team, the team is now weak and not weakened at all? Except for 9 and 10. Okay. 9 and 10 in particular. Uh, like well, certainly in Sexton's case and Murray's case. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In fairness, when you have Steve Hansen, Steve Hansen come out and saying Conor Murray is the best player in the world in his position, you're obviously going to find it hard to match that. But yeah, yeah look, look, generally... Apart from those positions, you were nearly getting to a position where Smith was lacking in the last World Cup, and it came to fruit against us against Argentina, where we were down a few players. We just didn't have the the backup that was required. I think Schmidt has learned from that. He is getting a process in place where, for thirteen of the fifteen positions, we have strength in the backup place. But you're still able to leave out Zebo and Burn, and, mm-hmm. and I think like the Zebo thing will rear its head again if we don't if we're not creative or expensive enough to beat the Italians. If we have to put the ball up the short and roll over for three tries of the four of them against the Italians from, from scrummage or line-outs, close-in line-outs, you know, there'll be questions asked, like, what, why aren't we able to run it from, you know, from deep? Well, I think, I kind of agree with you that I think we should be there, obviously, but I think Schmidt is kind of hoping that Jordan Lermer can sort of add that element of excitement that, that that's missing without Zebo. I mean, he's on the bench for the for the Italian game. I am can't wait to see him. He's going to come on. I kind of think that Schmidt's thinking might be secure the game 50-60 minutes then bring on let's say Larmer Carberry give them a go and see how they get on against the Italians mm-hmm. in the 6th game and Larmer's unproven at this level yeah. he's been exceptional so far but Cer- he's very excited Cer- but certainly Ireland are expected to wallop Italy the handicap of the bookmakers is 34 points that's very unfair I think in the Italians as well um, especially at international rugby I think they're going to be hurting from last week you've Conor O'Shea going back to Ireland in terms of being in charge I, I think they're going to be a tougher nut to crack I don't think it's going to be 34 points which just to very quickly go back onto, onto the point there we're talking about uh, Joe Schmidt who, who's given pe- people who are in form chances you know and we talked there about Toner being in form and he's got Jack McGrath Keen Healy they're both in great form for um, for Leinster but Robbie Stockton Jacob Stockton ja- sorry Jacob Stockton he, he just isn't in the same type of form that merits starting position for starting absolutely I which mean, is an unusual one I believe I mean and what's more usual about Jacob Stockton is that he's ex- been exceptional going forward but it's defensively he's been a little bit shaky there was a couple of uh, couple of games the game against Leinster I think around Christmas where he was very absolutely poor. Was and, tries, yeah. and normally Joe Schmidt is is a stiffer for defensive yeah. work I mean and that's one of the reasons Zebo didn't really get on with Schmidt at the start that you kind of got the impression that Schmidt wanted Zebo to improve the defensive aspect of his game before giving him more responsibility in, in the green jersey and it's the same with Andrew Conway and both Zebo and Conway have drastically improved the defensive work because they're always exceptional going forward and 
I kind of take that point as brilliant. It's very interesting to see that Stock Davis still is still there. Okay, so what do we think? What kind of margin of victory are we looking at? It won't be uh, edge of the seat stuff like last weekend, obviously. Do you think the Ireland will come out, Steve, early doors and blitz Italy early on, just as you say, and then bring on the other guys? Or is it going to be a case that Mike alluded, alluded to there, Conor O'Shea is going to know what Ireland are about, and he's and it's going to be it's going to be difficult for them early on. Well, I think I think Italy are going to come over as Mikey said. They're going to be hurting from the England game. I think they're going to come over with intent. They always do. It's always they're all, like the players always say the Italians is a tough game, and it is. It's international rugby. Six nations. They're all tough games. I think it's going to be. I think Italy will be more switched on from the start. They won't make the state they made last week of letting England score two very very quick tries. Uh, but that said, I think Ireland will wear them down, and I think in the end it's going to be a bonus point victory. Okay, would you agree with me? I'd have to agree with that, yeah. I think uh, that um, Ireland are going to find it tougher earlier on. Uh, they should find it tougher. If Italy come out and are hurting and can perform to the level which they are capable of performing for 50 or 60 minutes, Ireland should find it tough for that, but they should be good enough to get, get, get the bonus point victory. It's not just about the man in front of you, it's the team behind you. You fight together. Or you fall together. Only one team can stand tall. Ronan O'Gara, Donal Lenehan and Simon Lewis write exclusively for the Irish Examiner throughout the rugby season. For their brilliant insights on this week's key matches, get behind the Irish Examiner. So that was Six Nations talking. We'll move it along to the Premier League. There's a huge game at Wembley, Happest, 12 on Saturday morning. Uh, a little later we're going to talk about Chelsea's travails at the moment we're going to start with the other two London clubs that are prominent at the moment Tottenham and Arsenal a huge North London derby Steve just throw a few stats there out of interest to you like you know the perception of Spurs at home to the big six last 13 games they've won eight drawn four now last one that was the Chelsea or in the season first game of the season Arsenal on the road to the big six played 15 the last 15 won none drew six and lost nine and just, just for further further clarification on where the result might end up here, Spurs have won five and drawn three of the last nine games against Arsenal at home. So are we looking at a position where Arsenal are going to find it difficult at Wembley on well, Saturday? Well, and that team might as well not talk about it because Spurs are going to win. <laughs> yeah, I think it was kind of angling there, like the words in our mouth. Those are very pointed stats you, you know, serious. This, this this is going to be a proper game, especially with a Bamiyang Matak Makatari into the Arsenal. Exactly. Goal. That's just what I was going to say. I mean, they're very damning stats for Arsenal on the road. But I mean, you said it, not me. Arsenal will be. I think Arsenal will be a little bit rejuvenated with Makatarian and Bamiyang because I mean they were superb against Everton last weekend. Yeah. I mean, Everton were, were were really poor. But I mean, it's that whole thing of they were made look so poor because Arsenal were so good going forward. Uh, Plus as well To be fair Allardyce didn't play A full team either Which was kind of Yeah yeah, yeah. But still you can only Play what's in front of you that Yeah and they were Very good They are very good It's going to be A completely different Scenario This weekend Against Spurs But I think it will be An absolute Frightening game of football Because I mean you have mm. Tell me about <laughs> You have Aubameyang One of the most um, One of the most Talked about strikers Everyone talks about being, Him being a top striker In Europe Got up against Harry Kane, who is probably the top striker in Europe at the moment. Mm. So it's it's going to be a, a very exciting fixture. Uh, Mikey, are you looking forward to the game? Yeah, it's going to be a crapper. And 
I was very interested to see how Pochettino destroyed the United Defensive Midfield Partnership of Pogba and Matic um, last weekend. Last week, um, they had San Ali and Eriksen just running everywhere and Harry Kane put on an exhibition without scoring as a, of a front player those, yeah. those from four but I, th- I think in particular those three and if those three can get at the Arsenal two who can be shaky um, at the best and they could I don't know who's going to play in there from an Arsenal two perspective are they going to put in uh, is it going to be Ramsey is going to play in there is it going to be Shaq? well Ramsey got a hat against Everton so it'd be kind of unusual if you dropped him wouldn't it yeah you know, you know and is he has he got the defence of um, discipline to stay with the running power across the lines of those three um, I, I think that that'll be the area of the field where it'll be won or lost I think you do on both sides you've got a front, both front fours whatever front fours put out on both sides is going to be lightning it's going to be brilliant to watch you know Ozil has signed a new contract he's going to be you know he's now the leader with Sanchez gone of that Arsenal front attacking um, quartet um, you, you got a bang yang <laughs> a bang yang uh, you got Mkhitaryan you could have one of one of you will be you could have uh, they, they have Black United as well I mean yeah. you haven't been in great form since you moved to Arsenal but I mean mm. there's goals in them there's no there's goals in them yeah you know so th- that's the area of the field I think is going to be most interesting on, um, on Saturday morning Tottenham have been keeping clean sheets and Toby Alderweire will return to the starting lineup to get some game time against Newport County in the FA Cup but Arsenal have scored in 44 of the last 46 derbies and with the attack they have, they're definitely going to cause Tottenham problems. I, I, I think it would be a, it's a safe bet for Arsenal to score. Absolutely. Yeah. Both teams to score. Both teams to score. Yeah. I think that's going to be the safe bet at the weekend. But, um, and as you said, Ozil has signed the new contract. So that means he wants to be there. Mm. I mean, there's been question marks over Ozil of whether he really wants to be there when he's not performing. Because when he's on, when he's on form, he's exceptional when he's not on form. He's really poor mentally he's yeah. like a new player for Arsenal isn't he Absolutely. given that he's signed and that's the new contract because you just get the impression that he signed his new contract he's really happy mm-hmm. there he's content with Wenger managing him um, you'd be content in the money he's on as well. Absolutely, but I mean, and <laughs> the fact that he now has players like Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang around him, especially mm-hmm. Mkhitaryan, it takes the pressure off him to be that creative force. Because when it was just Sanchez, there was Sanchez, pressure on Sanchez to score the goals, pressure on also to to be the creative the master behind it but now with Mkhitaryan Mkhitaryan can take over some of that creative responsibility Aubameyang will be scoring the goals Akizek can score the goals and of course Ozil will, will chip in himself throughout the rest of the season but that whole thing makes it very interesting Mikey's point about the Arsenal duo is very interesting because Xhaka has a tendency to kind of just drift out of a game mm-hmm. mentally he just kind of disappears he, he's thinking about what's going to be on the box later on so I think it would be really interesting to see if Wenger sticks with Ramsey and Xhaka in that in that defensive midfield role, I think that that could be where the the trouble comes for Arsenal because while they're exceptional going forward, they're still not great at the back. I not. would have to say there could be trouble for Tottenham in a similar area on the opposite of the field though because Eric Dyer's form has been abysmal unless he starts uh, Victor Wanyama. Wanyama and Dembele is where I think to start his Arsenal. Yeah, but cert- I would agree. But certainly he seems to be. Favouring Dyer at the moment. Wanyama played against Newport County. Dyer played against Liverpool and was absolutely atrocious, mm. even aside from gifting uh, Salah the first goal. So, would you, like Mikey, would you go with Wanyama and Dembele to try absolutely, and yeah. nullify Arsenal yeah. in that area? I mean, Wanyama is just such a such a solid presence in midfield and he's, he's mm. so good at breaking up the play and he's, he's so dominant in that kind of defensive midfield area and Dembele then frees him up even more than with Dyer alongside him to push forward 
Yeah, I think that's when, actually a great when, point. When because Dembele, when, when Dembele mm-hmm. landed the ball and he was driving forward, he's so good. I mean, he, oh, he is, yeah. He's one of the best players in the Premier League at just taking the ball from Dribbling. and striding forward. I mean, yeah. it, it seemed like such a simple skill, but he just drives through the heart of teams. I think that's a great point, Steve, because when you watch the team playing, I think when Wanyama is next to Dembele, he is more inclined to transfer the ball from BTA by driving on because I think he is less inclined with Dyer next to him. Maybe he, in his own head, he's like, I'm not, I don't feel as safe. You know, with Dyer there, and with good reason. Yeah. But it's a North London derby, and Arsenal's record against Tottenham generally over the last 10, 20 years has been exceptional, Mikey. And it, it's the one game every season you really don't know what's going to happen, like in the sense that form, it's a cliche central, but it does actually tend to go out the window in this particular fixture. Yeah, look, I, I think with the investment that Arsenal have made in their players, and I, I'm talking about uh, what they've done over the transfer window, they really need. To get back into the Champions League, mm. it seems like a far cry from at the moment. But Arsenal are a team we've seen over the last few years can can be very streaky in the second half in of the, the season. They come good in particular, and uh, I think they, they could very easily get on a run, um, get rid of the complacency that seems to have been to seem to have troubled them over the first twenty odd games of the season. Get on a run and make a right burst to the top four because if they can get into a Champions League position and invest in the defence and defensive midfielders, mm-hmm. and I'm talking goalkeeper as well here, I think there needs to be an investment there. I think there's definitely two, if not three, in the back line that need to be changed. And certainly someone of the Nemanja Matic kind of N'Golo Kante needs to be brought in front of that back four. If they can make those purchases based on getting into a Champions League, I think the Premiership needs Arsenal back at full tilt next year and I think that's why it's important that's why it's important that Arsenal will look for a win at Wembley to lay down a marker to Spurs from a number of other perspectives but for the fact that they are in the Champions League hunt score prediction 2-1 Arsenal score prediction 2-1 all. 2-1 they won't be back next week lads <laughs> <laughs> championship where did this ferocious determination out there today come from the media every one of them wrote us off there was a statement in the cock examiner last saturday or last friday that there are four men on the limerick team that would be afraid to go into a dark room there's the answer today to those, those four men gave and, and you're that hurt by those remarks i'm certainly i'm hurt and the players were more hurt and they're the ones who, who were insulted this week and they proved it today that they have this Mikey, we're going to move on to the GA scene. Um, one of the main on-field stories of the league so far, the Allianz Leagues, has probably been the development and performances of the young guys playing with Eamon Fitzmaurice and Kerry. We're, we're just going to talk about that for, for a minute or two. Just your opinion on that. Who of the players so far has impressed you the most? There's been a lot of talk, of course, of the excellent Sean O'Shea. I remember seeing him in the under-21 match against Cork. Last summer, he was just brilliant. Who were you kind of looking to there as a guy that could make a real impact in the summer, based on the small evidence we have so far? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's very, it's a very funny time of year actually, and there's a huge amount of clamour at the moment um, about uh, player burnout already in the league. We're talking Walsh cups and and uh, Water Crystal cups, and we're talking Sigerson cups, and we're talking uh, National League. And uh, there's been even a lot of stories this week that I think David Clifford went off injured last night or the last weekend uh, for Kerry. Um, because of he played three games in in the course of a week, 
Um, which is madness. Which is madness. And I, I honestly, I, I don't blame players for this at all because I think if if there was a, if somebody was mad enough to bring out a structure that a player had to play every single day for different clubs, counties, colleges, um, they play it because players just love playing mm. and every 90% of them you know literally have to be dragged off a field to stop and I'd have been the same if there was a game every single day of the week I'd have been out playing wouldn't care about recovery or anything yeah. like that and I know it has to come into it and it should be but that, that goes back to the structures that are wrong and there's been a lot of talk in this week and last week about the amount of games these young fellas are playing and the example in Clare was just crazy that um, yeah. I can't think of the name of the player off the top of my head now but he'd played Sigerson, he'd played Fitzgibbon and he'd be played with Clare over the course of two weekends it just madness over the course of sorry, three weeks um, but in terms of Kerry yeah they, they, they are the three are plan as we talked about here in this mm. in this program a few weeks ago um I think that's kind of uh, yes they are looking at a three year plan but if these players are good enough to be pushing for places you mentioned O'Shea like he's just taken this by storm so far now I know he wasn't at his most prolific against uh, Mayo um, in the the game last weekend but um, to be able to bring along those players you know I think O'Biog Leot is going to be coming back into it now after his stint with the Gwiltak who were beaten by Moy um, I think he's a really exciting prospect for Kerry I, I've seen him play for UCC Have you been surprised at how seamless this seems to be for them or is it just because they're playing with Kerry and they just, it's almost like a birthright to them it, There is that birthright thing and some of their players I think from um, UCD last night as well they had a Kerry midfield line um, two lads in midfield for UCD and they were outstanding just saw some of the highlights last night um, again, how did they breed them? They, they like they're under twenty one team. They, they should look their minor title winners mm-hmm. over the last few years. They're making up a step, but they didn't win the under twenty one last year. They were actually caught in the hop in the semi final. Um, but it, it does seem seamless, and it, it comes down to good management of their players um, up along the levels. But I think it could come at a cost in terms of like burnout. You know, I really do hope that we don't see. Clifford being injured two or three times during this year because he's been pulled left, right and centre. There has to be management and again that all comes back down to the structures that are in place. And I think it is there is a lot of clamour this week about it and a lot of talk about it this week. But it just talk for the right reason, it has to be looked at. Excellent stuff, Mikey Sheen. My thanks to you and to Steve Neville, and a special thanks as well to Stephen Barry who um steered the ship so brilliantly last week. We're back next week on Paper Doc Extra. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.